Good morning, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's message of hope on KBUR News Radio, 99.3 FM and 14.90 AM from First Christian Church of Burlington, Iowa. Amen. We invite the young kids of our church to come on down forward and meet Pastor Justin at our front steps today. Jesus loves me, this I know, J-E-S-U-S, for the Bible tells me so, J-E-S-U-S, He loves me here and He loves me there and He loves all of us everywhere, Jesus loves me, this I know, J-E-S-U-S. Okay, good morning, how are you doing this morning? Awesome, good to hear. How many of you guys ever been to the zoo? Anybody ever been to the zoo? How many love the zoo? I love the zoo too, because the zoo is a great place to see animals that you'd never really get to see anywhere else here in America, right? I mean, they're great. They're a lot of fun. And so I thought we would do a little bit of a quiz this morning, okay? I'm going to show you five pictures, and I want you guys to see if you can figure out what animal they are, okay? All right, here's the first one. What's that? Elephant. All right, we're starting out pretty easy, right? So how do you guys know that's an elephant? Big ears. Big, long trunk. It helps him drink and eat. Anything else? Emmy? His mouth. What what are those things coming out by his mouth? Tusks. That's right. Yeah, elephants have tusks, right? Well, good job. How about the next one? Giraffe, that's right. And the giraffe is the tallest animal, and it's got that long neck to eat leaves off the top of the trees, and it's got brown spotted patterns all over its body. What else? A long neck, that's right. Very good. All right, maybe we'll see if we can, we can uh, fool you on this next one. A rhino, that's right. Now, how do you guys know that's not an elephant? Because it's gray and big, too, just like an elephant. It has a horn right there on the end of its nose, right? And that's how we know that it's a rhino. Very good. All right, how about the next one? Are you sure? Positive. How do, what, isn't that a horse? Well, how do you know it's a zebra and not a horse? Yeah. Black and white stripes, right? That's how we know it's a zebra. Very good. Okay, last one. A lion. And is that a male or a female lion? Do you... A male, and why is it a male? How do you know? has a mane around its neck, right? That really pretty mane. Very good. Well, that wasn't a very difficult quiz. And actually, it's pretty easy to identify an animal just by looking at it, right? But let me ask you this question. Do you think it would be easy for someone to look at you that doesn't know you at all and know that you are a Christian or that you're a follower of Jesus or love God? Do you think it's easy for someone just to look at somebody else and know that? It's not easy, is it? It's hard to just look at some random person and know if they're a follower of Jesus or not. It's not as easy as as the animal game we just played. And so Jesus, he gave in John chapter 13, he gave his disciples a command. He told them this. He said, I give you a new commandment. You must love each other just as I have loved you. If you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. 
Now, last week we talked about this very same thing, loving each other. When we talked about Mother's Day, how we can show moms how we love each other, love them. And we talked about how, what's a great way we can show God we love them. Do you guys remember that? What's a great way that we can show God we love them? What do we say? Yeah, we tell them, we show, we show God how much we love him by the way we treat other people. And so why are we talking about the same kind of theme again? Well, one reason is it's very, very important to treat other people with kindness and respect. And the other reason is it's a very hard thing to do sometimes. Because sometimes our friends and other people, they're not so nice to us, right? They might say mean things or treat us unfairly. And when they do that, how many of you's first reaction is to treat them back with kindness? It isn't, right? Sometimes we want to say mean things back to them, right? But the Bible tells us that we should still love those people and treat them with kindness and respect and say nice things back to them, even when they don't say such nice things to us. Because when we do things like that, people will know that we are Jesus's disciples. Okay, so we always need to watch what we say and what we do to other people and the way we treat other people, because we want people to see us and see Jesus. Right. Don't we. Right. Shake your heads. Yeah, yeah, we want to see the people, we want people to see Jesus in our actions and in our words, okay? So let's be careful what we say to other people and the way we treat each other, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, help us to love others in the same way that Jesus loves us, so that others will know that we are his disciples. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's kids shout it out. Amen. Oh gracious God, you are the power of life. You are the Lord of all that we see and experience, all that we feel and sense. We praise you that your love never forsakes or abandons or leaves us. Your presence is always there. Even on those days when we have given in to sin and despair, because of Jesus Christ, you have lifted us up from the grave. And so here on this spring Sunday morning, Grant us, O oh God, that we might experience the power of your resurrection here and now, that we might know of his love anew, we might come to find his joy and peace today. For how wondrous is your great and forgiving love, O oh God. How wondrous is your life-giving power. With joy we revel in the glow of your presence. We wonder at the life everlasting you have given us in raising Jesus Christ from the dead and making the tomb empty. As people who are born of his spirit, we are awakened to a world that is still caught up in the nightshades of sin and broken down by suffering. And yet here, even though death and dying are all around us, we long to bring new life, that we might show Jesus Christ to the world, a beacon of your love and hope and promise of new life. And so here in the midst of worship, O oh God, we pray that you might hear us as we pray for those who are suffering this day, the hungry and the homeless, the sick and the imprisoned, the angry, the lost, and the lonely. We pray, O oh God, that you might be with and bless all those places and situations that are close to our heart, the needs that we are so reminded of and the needs for ourselves. Be with those people in places that we do not speak aloud, that we keep to ourselves, but that you know because you hear us and answer us and you know those things that are written inside of our heart. 
O loving God, we know that you made a fearful and disjointed band of disciples into your church. And so we pray, O God, you might make us anew as your body of Christ in your world. Help us to serve you with joy and hope and thankfulness in all of our days together. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Old Testament book of Judges in chapter 16, verses 15 to 22. We invite the Spirit of God to be upon us as we hear God's word read in the midst of worship this morning. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me three times now and have not told me what makes your strength so great. Finally, after she nagged him with her words day after day and pestered him, he was tired to death. So he told her his whole secret and said to her, A razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, then my strength would leave me and I would become weak and be like anyone else. When Delilah realized that, she had, that, that he had told her his whole secret, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, This time has come up, for he has told his whole secret to me. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She let him fall asleep on her lap. She called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then he began to weaken, and his strength left him. Then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. When he awoke from his sleep, he thought, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines seized him and they gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and they bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God today for it. We find ourselves here today in week three of our Superheroes sermon series. In this sermon series, we have been talking about ordinary people from the Bible who have done extraordinary things in their lives. Who, if they were around today, blockbuster superhero movies would be made about their life. And so over the six weeks of the series, we are pairing up the person from a Bible with, with someone there from a, from, a, from, a, from a popular movie that we know to kind of highlight some of their qualities. And so over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about Daniel and the lion's done paired up with Simba from the Lion King. Last week, we talked about Anna and Elsa paired up with Mary and Martha from the New Testament. Next week, we're looking forward to hanging out with Jonah from the Old Testament right alongside of Peter Pan from the Disney movie. We still have great people and great movies and stories to, from the Bible to come. And so this week, we get to meet Mr. Incredible from the Incredibles movies. Now, let me just say that if you have not seen the Incredibles, like the first one or even the second one, then you need to go and watch these movies today. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Don't go anywhere else. Come to matinee at 3 o'clock here and then go home and watch the Incredibles tonight. And so let me tell you more about Mr. Incredible, the dad of the family. He's right there in the middle. He's a beast of a man. He's like this leader of this amazing and powerful superhero family. 
They are always fighting crime, taking out all the bad guys, saving their city. They have these amazing powers, these amazing super suits, and these fantastic gadgets. And so all is well and good in Incredibles 1, but then in Incredibles 2, something bad happens. Mr. Incredible has to give up and turn back in his super suit and he has to trade it in for a business suit. He has to give up a life of fighting crime and saving people and like protecting his city. Now he has to go to work from nine to nine to five in an ordinary boring job like, like we have to go to. And it is the worst. And with this, he has lost his power. He has lost his strength. And lost all of his mojo. And it is killing him the whole entire time. And it's just like that from Samson in the Bible. See, the story says in the Bible that Samson was special. That the angel of the Lord came to his mother even before he was born. And said, this child that you'll give birth to, he will be set aside to do the work of God. He will be amazing. But because of this, he's not supposed to drink strong wine, strong drink, especially he's not supposed to have his hair cut. No like going in for a trim, no like cutting out the split ends, none of that kind of stuff, never cutting his hair. And so because of this, because he'll have so much strength, he will deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. But if he cuts his hair, the angel says, his strength will go away. Like Mr. Incredible giving up his super suit. And so Samson is born and the mother does what the Lord wants him to do. And so Samson grows and we see his power in Judges 13 and 14 and 15. But we see that things suddenly go south for dear old Samson. Because though he has this amazing strength, he decides to use it all for his own pleasure. Because as the story in the Bible progresses, we realize that not only is Samson strong, not only is he strong, but he also is a womanizer. And he loves the ladies. There's even this time whenever he's walking down the road and like he comes to this town and he sees this beautiful woman there in the distance. And so he tells his mother and father that that woman there is the one for him. And so literally the Bible says, Samson says, go and get her and bring her to me because she pleases me. No like wooing her with like a box of chocolates. No like making eyes on the playground at school. None of that. He simply says, go and get her and bring her here. The Bible says Samson, after that, hangs out with a whole bunch of prostitutes. Samson realizes that he's strong, but also the people love him, and he only uses it for his own pleasure and enjoyment. But because he's strong, he does all these kind of feats of strength. There's this one time where he comes up to this massive lion, and he rips it apart limb by limb. One time he, 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 he goes fighting against this hive of bees, and he fights all the bees off and steals their honey. It's, it's like he's some kind of mountain man. And the story gets even better when he fights off a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. King David took down one Philistine, Goliath, with like... A bunch of rocks, but, but, but Samson took a thousand down with a jawbone. Let me tell you that when I was in seminary, we had like a little intramural soccer team, and we were awful. 
we were so bad, like we were, we, were, we were unbelievably bad, but we thought we were great, and so we named ourselves the Jawbones after Samson because we thought we were so good, but we were so bad. We lost all the games. But Samson was so amazing. This beast of a man, this like Mr. Incredible kind of guy. But he used his strength and his looks only for his own advantage. And he only called upon God when he needed something. Never every day, only when he thought he needed something. But the story says in the Bible that when the Philistines were tired of getting beaten down, they found this woman named Delilah. And they said, we will pay you 1,100 silver coins if you find out where Samson gets his strength. And so like the Washington generals finally getting tired of losing to the Harlem Globetrotters, and so they hire LeBron James and Steph Curry and like Michael Jordan to come and play on their team, they hire her to find out where his strength is. And so she starts asking, Samson, where do you get your power? And it's like, she asks him first thing in the morning before he's had any coffee, like before people should talk to anyone else when he's like still groggy and sleepy. She says, where does your strength come from? She asks him whenever he's focused on anything else, playing on his phone, watching the, watching the ball game. She could ask him for money or favors and say like the house is burning down. He's paying no attention whatsoever. He's, and she says, where do you get your strength? She texts him a thousand times a day. She emails him 700. She, she asks him over and over, where do you find your strength? She wants to know. And so every single time, every time in the story, Samson with these like big blue dreamy eyes and like this flowing Fabio kind of hair, like, like Pantene Pro V kind of hair, he like, he like turns to her and see, he says, baby, you know I love you, but I can't tell you. But then the scripture literally says, literally the Bible says, after she had nagged him with her words day after day and pestered him and he was tired to death, he told her the secret. He said, no razor has been on my head. If my head were shaved, my strength will be gone. And so now Delilah knows. She's paid the ransom money. She gets him to fall asleep. His head is shaved, and the mighty Samson is captured. The one with all this good looks and all these strength, he has traded in his super suit of hair for a jail suit in prison because his strength is gone. And my, how the mighty Samson has fallen. And let me just tell you, there are lots of things that we could learn from Samson most of which are things that we should not do, like the example of not how to live our life. Lessons about how to live for God and not be a complete jerk. Lessons about how, how not to abuse all kinds of people. Lessons about not wasting the gifts that God has given us. But did you happen to notice that last little verse in the reading today? I mean, maybe you kind of glossed on by it, but it's right there at the end. When Samson is in prison and bound with shackles and he spends his days grinding in the mill in prison, the scripture says, the hair on his head began to grow back. His hair began to grow 
again. And at first this seems like a tiny little statement about hair that like barbers enjoy or something. But it's much more than that. It's much more than like a little throwaway kind of verse. This little tiny little verse in 16, 22 in Judges is in fact a theological statement of who God is. You see, it's like this. Maybe you're like me and you use your GPS device there on your phone in your car, like Google Maps or, 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 or whatever, whatever app that you have. You use it to get you from where you are to where you have to go. And like the little GPS part of your phone is always very helpful because when you're not sure where to go, then your GPS can tell you exactly how to get there, which turns to take, which like roads to be on, and how long it's going to take you to get from here to there and back. And one of the best features about this app on your phone is that if you miss an exit, if you make a wrong turn, the GPS will recalculate for you how to get back on course. And it's always nice, right? I mean, whatever Siri or, or, or whatever you have is, is always very nice, at least like my GPS is. It, it, it actually never says things like, I can't believe you missed that turn on the right-hand side there. Or, what kind of moron are you to turn left here instead of right? I mean, maybe yours is me, but, but mine is always very nice. It, it, it says it very pleasantly, make a U-turn. And so I make a U-turn, and I get back on track. It, it's, like, it's always very nice. It helps you get back going again. And you see, this is what it's like for God. Though Samson had messed up, though his life was a complete train wreck, though it seemed like he was always going the complete wrong direction, God was still there moving in his life. God was trying to lead him into hope and redemption and the scripture said, even though he failed so many times, the hair on top of his head started to grow again. And with this, his strength returned. It's like a small little statement, like this like tiny little verse. But it's a theological reality about the presence of God. God was always trying to recalculate and to recalibrate him into finding the root of love because God had not given up. It's like one of my favorite verses from the Bible. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. In all things God works for good for those, in, those who love him. It's not that God causes all things to happen, but in all things, God finds a way to move for good. Especially on those days in our life when the worst thing that we fear happens, when it feels like we have lost our super suit and like all of our superpowers, God is there trying to recalculate us into love. This means that for us, no valley is too low. No sin is too big. No cross is too heavy for us to bear. God is always working in the hardest and the worst situations to find good out of it. It's a theological reality of the presence of God alive in our life today. It's the power in Jesus Christ 
that God gives us. Thanks be to God for it. Let us pray. O loving God, we give you thanks for your power that comes upon us. That in the empty tomb, in the power of the resurrection, you have overcome every deep and dark valley. Everything that we are convinced stands in our way of finding your love is removed. All those places where we do not know where to go and we're not quite sure how to turn, your love remains. Because you are enough. Because you are there to encourage us and to bless us. And never forget that your presence fills our life. Help us, O oh God, not only just to hear this today, but to believe it in our heart because it is the gospel truth. And for that, we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message of hope from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ here in Burlington, Iowa. We are located at 1221 Park Avenue on the south side of town in between the airport and Dankwart Park. If you're looking for a church home or looking to find a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time, we hope that you will join us for worship this Sunday morning. We have two services every week. Our traditional service is at 8.45 a.m. and features old-time favorite hymns and a wonderful anthem by our chancel choir. Our contemporary service is at 1045 and features our amazing band and music that you hear from today's Christian radio. Both services offer a hope-filled and challenging message for today, activities for youth and children of all ages, and open communion for all who believe in Christ. There is no better way than to begin your week with worship, so I hope you will join us. You can find out more information by going to our website at www.burlingtondoc.org, and you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Burlington DOC. We hope you have a great week and share the love of God with someone today.